0: We are your church we are your sons and daughters we're gathered here to meet with you we lift our eyes we lay our hearts before you expectant here yeah, to are the way the truth the life we live for when you come so pour out your spirit we love to be near you oh God when you come come like a rushing wind come like a fire again come like a burning flame have your burning flame. Have your way, have your way with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence. Oh God, when you come, so pour out your Spirit, we love to be near you. Oh God, when you come, God, when you come, with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence, oh God, When you come, so pour out your spirit. We love to be near you, O God, when you
1: come. So, Father, we thank you so much for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for your love, Lord. invite you, Lord, just to more fully fill this place. I guess it'd be more, uh, God, give us a revelation of your presence. Manifest yourself, Lord, that we can experience this together with you directly, face to face.
0: no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Here in your love. Here in your love No place I would rather be No place I would rather be No place I would rather be Than Here in your love Here in your love No place I would rather be No place I would rather be No place I would rather be And Here in your love set a fire down in our souls that we can't contain, that we can't control. We want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. Set a fire down in our souls that we can't contain, that we can't control. I want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. Faith can move, there's power in the blood. The power of the cross. There's nothing that your love won't do. There's not a mountain faith can't move. There's power in the blood. The power of the cross There's nothing that your love won't do. There's not a mountain faith can't move. There's power in the blood The power of the cross There's nothing that your love won't do There's not a mountain faith can move There's power in the blood the power of the cross Joy begin to rise and hope Begin to light the dark our God exchanges hope for new, Old oh, dawn, has conquered night and death, he's brought to life, and now we are exchanging hope for new, oh,
1: What was torn you mend again You redesign the tattered thread by thread You take the broken and the And you rebuild them You make
0: whole Joy Begin to rise and hold begin to light the dark, our God exchanges old for new oh, dawn, has conquered night and death, has lost to life and now, we are exchanging old for new oh. Turn our flame into a fire In you we walk in the impossible We take your love into the world We let our light shine We let it burn Joy begin to rise and hold to light the dark, our God exchanges old for new oh, dawn. It's conquered night and death, there's love to life. And now we are exchanging old for new oh, there's Nothing that your love won't do, it's not a mountain faith can move. There's power in the blood power of the cross There's nothing that love won't do There's not a mountain faith can't move There's power in the blood The power of the cross Joy, begin to rise and hope Begin to light the dark our God exchanges old for a new world. dawn. Has conquered night and death, or oh, has lost to life, and now we are exchanging old.
2: We just release renewed hope in this place. I just thank you for that you are a faithful God. Every day is new. You are the God of all hope.
1: I see the sun waking up the morning. Reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise, reminding me. There's a garment of praise for heaviness. There's a new song burning inside my chest. I'm living in the goodness that He brings. Get your hopes up, lift your
0: head up, let your faith arise, get your hopes up, our God is for us, He's brought us back to life. I see the sun waking up the morning, reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise, reminding me that there's a garment of praise for heaviness. There's a new song burning inside my chest. I'm living in the goodness that He brings Get your hopes up Lift your head up Let your faith arise Get your hopes up Our God is for us He's brought us back to life Get your hopes up Lift your head up Let your faith arise, get your hopes up, our God is for us, he's brought us back to life.
1: Get your hopes up Lift your head up Let your faith arise Get
0: your hopes up Our God is for us He's brought us back to life Get your hopes up Lift your head up Let your faith arise Get your hopes up Our God is for us He's brought us back to life. Get your hopes up, lift your head up, let your faith arise. Get your hopes up, I got to score us. He's brought us back to life.
1: Release new hope into this place. Mm. And yeah, for any that have lost it, just Holy Spirit, minister to them this morning. Just release renewed hope, renewed hope. Mm-hmm. Think
0: of who you are Things have passed away, your love has stayed the same, your constant grace remains a cornerstone. Things that we thought. that you've done, we will pour out love. This will be an anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the Sweet
1: everybody worships with with singing, so um, if you've got other ways that you worship God, just think of those things. Just present them before God right now as an offering. If you work with your hands, if you, uh, whatever it is that you do, uh, just just, just lay it before Him as as worship. Just just praise Him with that in your thoughts. Give Jesus a gift tell him how much you love. Up these gifts from us today receive our praise, receive our worship. Just get a sense of Jesus, just you know, he appreciates all those things little acts of devotion? The fact that you give thanks for your meals? That you ask for his guidance and things? That you just spend time with him?
2: there's times that um, it feels like maybe God isn't present, isn't with us, when um, it feels like we're pushing against something and it's difficult, and um, God's just been telling me his perspective, that when he's molding us, and um, we feel like we're, we're pressing against things and things are hard. It's because we're, we're pressing against those things uh, that are in opposition to God, that he's wanting to break in our lives, the places of unbelief, the places that, of hardness in our heart that we've closed him off to. And it's actually his love. It's his love um, that gives us the endurance. It's, it's his hope that gets us to keep um, pressing forward so those things break in our hearts those things break in our lives and often we um, our perspective is wrong that God isn't present but he's very much present he's like a, a potter who's molding the clay and it doesn't always feel good but what he's making is very good And it's this love that doesn't allow us to stay the way we are. So God, I just thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you that you are so concerned about us becoming who you, who you planned us to be, who you made us to be, that we reflect your image. And God, we thank you for the pressure that forms things in us. We thank you for the fire. And God, we thank you for your strength and all that. And we thank you for your your mercy and your love and all that. We thank you that you don't allow us to stay the way we are. Change our perspective. That we would surrender to your goodness in our lives. That we may see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in our families, in our homes, in our places of work, in this church, in our community. Thank you that you transform us so that your goodness will be seen in our lives and in the world around us. And any alive that opposes us, bring light to our eyes that we may see that you are for us. That you are very much for us.
1: Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grave. I
0: found
1: in you,
0: and Lord. I've come to know the
1: weaknesses I've seen
0: in me will be
1: stripped away
0: by the power of Your love. surround me, bring me near, draw me to your side. Spirit leads me on In the power of Your love Lord unveil my Eyes Let me see You Face to Face The knowledge of Your love As You live Your Spirit leads me on In the power of your love And I will soar with you Your Spirit leads me on In the power of your love And I will soar with you Your Spirit leads me on In the power of your love.
3: Glad for the love of Jesus. I'm sort of reminded in uh, Romans how it tells us that uh, there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many glad for that this morning? That there's no condemnation, that we can, we can come boldly to God's throne, knowing that he hears us, that he answers our prayers, know, knowing that uh, there's, no, there's no shame any longer. Amen that we've been forgiven. Have, has anybody ever struggled with the grace of God? Can I, can I see your hand this morning? Have you ever struggled with God's grace? Like, how in the world could God accept me? But how many are glad this morning that when he sees us, he sees us covered by the blood of Jesus, forgiven, accepted, chosen, adopted into his family, that we are sons and daughters of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. It's just amazing that we can have that kind of relationship with, with, with the Lord. Well, it's good to be back. For those uh, who, who, weren't, uh, who, were, who were here last week, of course, uh, Ed Abely and did a great job of, of uh, sharing the word uh, last week, and I really appreciate his uh, willingness to do that. did a great job. Uh had a chance to get back uh, east to Nova Scotia, and just connect with my my grandmother, on who would be my dad's mom, is uh, ninety seven years old, and um, she's been going through some rough time since January in another hospital, and had been in there for for some time. But um, it was a great opportunity just to be able to see her, to be sure that uh, you know I got a chance to see her. And I know right now she's doing fairly well, not too bad in terms of like medically fit to to, to go to a nursing home, but she's, she's sleeping more, she's eating less, and, uh, she just, she's ready, she's ready to go home, and just for her life, uh, that she has lived, has just served as an incredible testimony of, of what a life looks like that is just at peace with her Lord, and just knows where she's going, and, uh, so it was just a great opportunity to be able to, to connect with, uh, my grandmother, and connect with, uh, some of my family members get a chance to walk the beach in Lockport, featured on the back of the old, old fifty-dollar bill from something like fifty-five to seventy-four mile-long white sand beach, uh, and to be able to see the sun just hitting the water. It was just a, it was just a great thing. But it's great to be back here this morning. Just a few announcements. I'm going to cover off a few announcements. Um, just want to, to let everyone know we are, we are uh, experiencing some financial challenges here at the church. Um, but how many know this morning that the Lord is, uh, he owns it all. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, so the scriptures tell us. And uh, we're just trusting him. I believe that he's got a plan. And he has a purpose for this uh, assembly in this congregation, in this community. And uh, I, I just remember when I was reading a book titled Miracles by Craig Keener and just reading uh, the supernatural things that God can do. And when I got reading through about 200 plus pages of that material, I just, which of course was a whole lot more, but I just closed the book and I just said, you know, God, there is nothing you cannot do. There is nothing you cannot do. And uh, I just believe that God has uh, good things and I believe that God can do great things. And I believe that our vision needs to exceed what we can do. How many know that if we think we can accomplish it, we don't need God? Amen? That was pretty weak. That if we can accomplish it, we don't need God. Amen? If we can do it. But how many know... That God has given us a, 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 a vision, a mission, a goal, a purpose, a calling that exceeds human resources. Amen? It exceeds human resources. It exceeds human power. And that's where we need God to show up. Amen? He needs to show up in a multiplicity of ways and so we just depend on Him and just trust in Him. And my, my prayer is that, uh, that we will, as a church, pray about that matter. But also that, that God will move upon our hearts as, as we partner with Him and the work that He's doing here. So if, if we could just pray about that matter, I would really appreciate that. And uh, also just want to encourage that, uh, that uh, if maybe you're, you're uh, wanting to partner a little closer with the church uh, that would be fantastic as, as well. Also, uh, just a number of things. I'm not sure if you received the bulletin this morning. I'm, I trust that you did. I knew we had the, the greeters out this morning. and nice new format. And I just want to hit a few things here today uh, from the bulletin. I just want to mention, as you'll notice, that our, our nursery, there's going to be no supervision just for the month of August. And uh, so if parents need to be in the nursery, they need to accompany the children. And, and that will resume in in September so just a month uh, of, uh, of that also you'll uh, our parent room we have a parent room right now that's under renovation so uh, if if someone needs to use that room to uh, to nurse their child or to change a, a toddler or whatever the case might be that room is going to be made available once that um, once that room is ready also the same with uh, tree house upstairs that that uh, the house is going to be taking a break for the month of August as well, but we are going to be resuming in September and excited for the kids uh, that they're going to be having a brand new curriculum and uh, they're going to be coming investigators as they investigate uh, God's truth. It's called Faith Case, Investigating the Truth. And how many know the Word of God is true? Amen? And uh, so we want our kids to be actively involved, checking out what does God have to say about Different matters in life and different things that we are to to hold dear. Also, you'll notice a couple of other things coming up in, in September as well. We're going to be starting a, a, a new series on uh, Tuesday nights called "The Bait of Satan." Uh, that's coming up in uh, later in September. Just keeping your mind uh, remind you of that. And also um, coming up on Tuesday, Tuesday this week, Tuesday July thirty first. Uh, we're going to be having a bit of a a brainstorming meeting. It's a bit of a planning and prayer all combined. So the purpose is uh, just to hear what you guys have on your hearts because when it comes to September 16th, we know we've got our water baptism lined up for that. We're looking at doing a barbecue following, but we also want to get some of the kids involved with games and so on. And uh, so if you have ideas that you want to bring to make that day, a fun and celebratory day to kind of kick off our fall. And, of course, arrange it so that we can invite our friends as well and family members. And so just keep that in prayer and keep that in mind as, as well going ahead. And I'm not going to take all the time to review all the announcements, but you'll notice a, a number of different things in your bulletin. So please take the time to, to review that as well. So we're going to take the time this morning and we're going to worship the Lord in our giving. And uh, how many are blessed this morning? How many sense that you're blessed? God has taken care of you. and We have an opportunity to bless the Lord this morning. So we give a portion that he's blessed us with back to him. Amen. So we're going to put that slide up on the screen. How many know this is all about God's vision? Amen. Can we stand together? Can we stand together? This is all about God's vision. This is all about partnership with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Partnership with Jesus. I'm going to ask Lincoln. Lincoln, would you lead us in that?
4: Thank you. First of all, just thank you, Father, that um, you are good. We, um, we thank you for supplying all of our need.
0: Mm.
4: And as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah! Amen. with your mic
3: that's <laughs> okay that's okay amen so this isn't part of my sermon or maybe I better wait and hold on to that so as soon as we uh, receive the offering we're going to ask the kids to come up we're going to pray over them release them to their appropriate classes are they, are they here still here so let's get the kids up Coming a little bit enthusiastically here. Here they come. This is good because we want to show you off to everyone else, right? Because I think we got to find a fine uh, bunch of children here. Pretty good looking too, wouldn't you say? Pretty good looking little ones. Here they come. Here they come. We got some more. Amen. How many know you never know who's going to be who who the Lord is is going to use in a powerful ways? I believe that every person, every little one here, has, has a potential to be a a mover and shaker in God's kingdom. Would you say, Amen? And how many know they're not the church of tomorrow; they're the church of today. So we're going to pray together. Just stick a hand out to bless them. So those adults, this is this is the uh, this is the legacy here. So in Jesus' name we come, Heavenly Father, thanking you today for every single young life that's here. They are precious, Lord, and and God, you have placed them into our care. You've given us the responsibility today to train them up, to teach them, to equip them, to help them grow to know you and, and to know your love and your grace in their lives and to know the purpose for their life, the purpose for which you've created them to be made in your image and to, to bear the kingdom of God to the rest of the world. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray today that, that your Holy Spirit will be at work in each and every young life. We pray, Lord, that you'll speak to them. You'll be drawn close to them. Open their hearts up to know you in a great way. We pray for those, God, who are serving in leadership in children's ministry. We pray, Lord, for, for grace and for strength and for wisdom. Equip them, Lord, for all that they need to be able to, to teach and to minister to these precious little ones. And we ask all these mercies and favors in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 So they are dismissed with a blessing. Amen. If you read your Bible this morning, if we could turn to Acts chapter 26 just for a few moments. I should never say for a few moments, though, because sometimes it runs a little longer than a few moments. Now, this isn't really part of the sermon. And I don't really have a joke ready for you, but I don't know, you might find this funny. I have no idea. But uh, when I was, I don't know if I did it, I think I did it when I came home. That uh, I decided to shave off this part down here. Where there was a much more gray hair, and uh, my kids were were like, "No, no, no! Shave off your mustache." So one afternoon, I think it was the first, I think it was the first afternoon I was going to get Christiane. I decided to to put on a plaid shirt, take off my glasses, and throw a cowboy hat on. Go pick her up from work. I was trying to shoot for, you know, you guys probably remember Burt Reynolds, right? Shooting for Burt Reynolds. Shooting for, uh, oh, you know, Sam Elliott, right? Sam Elliott. So I was shooting for that, and some people thought I was kind of, one guy, and in fact, he was an old classmate, said I, I sort of was nailing the whole Sam Houston thing. But then I have relatives that I used to like, Who said that I was nailing Paul Blart? So I don't know. I'll let you guys decide. I'll let you guys decide. But no comments. No comments. I don't want to hear it because some of you might make me feel good and some of you might not. But anyway, I'll let you guys decide. Is it? Is it? Or maybe you know Tom Selleck. I even tried to make sure my hair was a little curlier in the front this morning for the Tom's. But I'm not six foot four, so that's not working. Paul Blart. I mean, come on, right? Give me a break. Paul Blart. No, that's, so this is, yeah, so I'll let you guys decide whether it's, um, who it is, if it's the Sam Elliott or if it's the the Paul Blart. But just go easy on me. I'm I'm delicate. So this morning, Acts chapter uh, uh, 26. Acts chapter 26, we're going to read that in just a a, a few moments. But um, there was, there was a missionary and he was seated on a plane one time. And there was this really well-dressed young man that came up to the missionary, and they started having a conversation. And so the, uh, the missionary asked this young guy, who was wearing pretty good threads, and he, he asked him, he said, well, what do you do for a living? He says, well, I'm in a big business, he said. And the missionary said, well, you know, so am I. And so the young man said, you know, I, my business is all over the country, he said. And so the missionary said, well, you know, I've traveled all over the world in, in connection with mine, too. And so the young man began to keep on going, and he said, Well, I'm in partnership, he said, with my father, and he's a millionaire. To which the missionary replied and said, Well, you know, I'm in, I'm in business with my father, too, but you know, he's a multi-billionaire. So they're trying kind to, of, you know, going back and forth. And so the young guy in, in, in the business suit says, you know, well, we have representatives in, in, in most of the areas in our country. And so the missionary replied, he said, well, we have representatives in almost every country of the world. And so by that time, the young man looked at the missionary. He said, what kind of business are you in anyway? He said, so when the missionary explained, he said, the young man said, you're not just in the big business. He said, you're in the biggest business that there is. And how many would agree this morning that we're in big business? We're in big business. We're in big business. And there is a, if, if you're knowing anything about the business, the corporate world, you know that one of the big words that are is being used today, and we've also adopted that into the, the church is that it's important that we have something that we see something that we have a vision for a vision and when it comes to vision we know that God communicates through visions do you believe that today that God can still communicate that way we don't serve a mute God we serve a God who wants to commune with us a God who wants to communicate with us And sometimes God will not just use that still small voice, but God will place before us dreams and he'll place before us visions as he wants to reveal who he is in his heart toward us and toward the world. And in saying that, in Acts chapter 26, going down from verses 12 to about 18, we notice that if you read the account that Paul is before King Agrippa. And Paul is making a legal defense, but he's not necessarily trying to save his own skin. He is before King Agrippa because he wants Agrippa to understand what Paul's work is all about. Paul had a business that he was in. And how many would agree this morning that we are in the same business? We are in the business that Paul was in. And so he's talking to Agrippa, and he's telling him of the vision that he received on the road to Damascus. And we find, I think, that there's about three places where Paul mentions this encounter with Jesus. We know Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul had a mission, and that mission was simply this, is that he wanted to wipe out Christianity. But how many know that when you have an encounter with Jesus, that it can change the very course, of not only your life, it can change the course of history. And so Paul says to Agrippa, Acts 26, verses 12 to 18, he says, On one of these journeys, he says, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. You'll know, remember that he had the letters. He had everything all lined up. And he says in verse 13, About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. And we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you, listen to this, to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I have appointed you as a servant and a witness. And I will rescue you from your own people and the Gentiles. Underscore this part. If you've got your Bible, I give you permission to mark in it. I mark in mine all the time. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God so that you may they may receive so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me can we pause and pray this morning heavenly father we want to thank you we want to thank you lord this morning as we've been singing about your love and we've been singing about your grace lord may it be real to our hearts today may it be real to our hearts today but Lord, may we also recognize the love and the grace that you extend to us. You want others to experience as well. May, Lord, we catch this vision. May we recognize, God, it's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than, than our families. It's bigger than our church, Lord. But you have a, a, a great plan and a great, a, a great goal for the church and for us. And, and, and I just pray this morning that we would catch that again. So, Lord, just set our hearts ablaze for what you want to do in us and through us in the coming days. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So this morning, I just want to highlight five things. Just, I want to highlight five things. So this morning, I I believe one of the things that we need in what Paul was telling Agrippa You'll recognize when Paul, Paul was a man on a mission. When Paul was on his way to Damascus, he was on his, he had a mission. And that mission, again, as I mentioned, was re- literally to wipe out Christianity. But as Paul has this encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road, it totally changes him forever. And not now is he a man on a mission to wipe out Christianity. He becomes a man on a mission to be probably one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived, ever walked the earth. And you'll notice that I believe this morning that we too need a a renewed vision of our mission. How many would say this morning and agree that we have a mission in life? How many know that God has created each and every one of us a purpose, and that God has a goal in mind. He has a goal in mind. In fact, we know that on the day of Pentecost, that when the Spirit came, that Jesus said of that, that that they would receive power when the Spirit came upon them, and that they would be witnesses unto Him, starting in Jerusalem. Can I ask the question, where is our Jerusalem? I believe our Jerusalem is right here in this town, right where we're at. That's where it begins. And that was, that was the purpose of the pouring out of the Spirit was to give the church the empowerment for the mission to which Jesus was calling it. And I believe we need a new vision of that mission. You'll notice in verse 17 that, Paul, that Jesus says to Paul that I am sending you to them. Paul's mission primarily, although he ministered to the Jews, he would go into the synagogues and he would try to persuade them that Jesus was the Christ from the Old Testament. That his primary mission was to the others. It was to the Gentiles who yet have heard of Jesus. He says that I am sending you to them. Can I challenge us this morning to to think that could it be that Jesus is also not just sending Paul, but Jesus is sending us? Do you believe that God is sending us, the church, into the world to reach people? Can I ask a question this morning, and you can shout it out. It's okay. I'll take um, responses. What's the first thing that you think of when someone says the word mission or missions? What's one of the first things that you think of? Overseas. Good, thank you. Any, any, any other? I'll take two more. Evangelism. Anything else? So we got overseas evangelism. I'm liking how that's connecting here. Overseas evangelism. Anything else? Miracles. Miracles. That's good. Because that's happening too. I thought maybe some of you might say, you know, some boring slideshow presentations from, you know, the 1980s. We have uh, PowerPoint now, which is really great. But remember the slideshows and the missionaries would come on a Sunday night? We, poor, I mean, the poor missionaries always got pushed to Sunday nights. And when they found out the missionary was coming, people just decided, like, it was something better to do. You ever remember that? But that's what oftentimes what we think, of. we think of. When we think of missions, we think of overseas. It's over there somewhere. And it's overseas evangelism. Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we think of these great, because these people are radical, right? These people are going to know where no one wants to go. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that true? Oftentimes, and we, and we think of them as these spiritual giants way, way, way up here. Because they're a little bit, they're they're trusting God, but we think they they might just be a little bit crazy at the same time. Missions. I remember a a few years ago, I opened up the pages of the Pentecostal testimony. And as I opened up the testimony, it began to really uh, change my thinking. And here was a church in Uganda and they were presenting David Wells our general superintendent with a check for $25,000 and can anybody guess where that money was going it wasn't going to Bible college anybody else want to try No, it wasn't instruments. You are the $64,000 winner. The check is for $25,000 for mission in Canada. Mission in Canada. It blew my socks off, and I shared this on a Tuesday night. When I found out that in 1900 the population of South Korea 0.01% were Christians. Today that number is 50%. The center of world Christianity is not Western Europe. It's not in North America. In fact those who get paid to think about and write about this stuff, these people we call missiologists, have determined that North America is now one of the most resistant mission fields on planet Earth. And if you want to take it a step worse, the province, the Belle Provence of Quebec, is considered to even be harder than any other place in North America. The truth is, is that we have often thought of ourselves as the exporters of Christianity to the rest of the world. But I just want to challenge us in our thinking to recognize that now it's the global south. I was blown away when I discovered. Get a load of this one. In the assemblies of God in the United States, one denomination, one Pentecostal denomination, just one denomination. Of about 13,000 churches, with probably a membership that will be somewhere, I'm sure, pushing 3 million or maybe greater. That there are more just Pentecostal ones, just Pentecostal Christians, that gather together on a Sunday in the city of Sao Paulo, Brazil, than every one of that is in the United States. Blew my mind. The largest churches in the world are not in North America. Churches of 40,000. Churches in Seoul, as you'll know. David Yonke Cho's church pushing a million people. And if you've ever seen Reinhard Bonnke's crusades, you'll know that he would draw millions of people to his crusades. And as we were talking about evangelism, we were talking about miracles, I want you to know miracles are happening. Tens of thousands of miracles, supernatural things are happening in other places in the world. But it's not as prevalent as it is here in North America, and especially Canada. Which some people believe is about 20 years ahead of the United States when it comes to looking more like Western Europe, what Western Europe is right now. Jesus said to Paul, I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you to them. And I believe this morning, church, that we need to recognize that mission is not just overseas. It's not just over there somewhere in some remote place that we have a hard job pronouncing. But our mission is right next door. Amen? There are people right next door to us that don't know Jesus. Young people struggling with who they are and and, and why they're here. And young people contemplating suicide and so forth. We have so much. Isn't it crazy to think that in a nation we we are so blessed and we have so much that so many people are afflicted when it comes to their mental health? When it comes to hopelessness, when it comes to despair, Paul said, or excuse me, Jesus said, "I am sending you to them." It was Paul's mission to go to the Gentiles. But what did Jesus say to his disciples when he called them? He said that he was going to prepare them to do. He said, "Come and follow me." Jesus said. How many are glad that Jesus has called you and said, come and follow me? How many would lift your hand and say, I'm glad Jesus has called me? And he said to his followers, his disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Many of them are fishermen, but now you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to catch people. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because they were bringing something of value to them. And I'll tell you what was of value. The value was... The gospel of Jesus. And the gospel of Jesus. Oh, it's folks, it's not just the atonement of the cross. It's not just singing the old rugged cross or amazing grace that my sins have been forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom of God is that in the very end, God is going to renew all things. But guess what? When Jesus came the first time, he said that if I cast out demons by the finger of God or the spirit of God, The kingdom has come near you. He inaugurated what is coming in its fullness. And I don't know about you this morning, but I believe the world is looking for the kingdom of God. They're looking for God's reign. They're looking at our government. And they're looking for answers. They're looking to our educational system. And they're looking for answers. They're looking for answers to professors and scientists and climatologists and whatever ologists you can stick on the end, but I want you to know that there's only one answer for the world's problems, and it's Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Hallelujah. And Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew 10 then reports in chapter 10 that he trains up the 12. And he gives them, listen, he gives them authority. He gives them authority and He to drive out evil spirits. To heal diseases and sicknesses. Why? Because how many understand the world has been cursed by sin? All of it has been cursed. And Jesus was coming to show forth little dribs and drabs of what the kingdom is all about. Because I don't know about you, but when Jesus comes and he establishes his kingdom, which will never end permanently, there's going to be no crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I make all things, all things new. There will be no more injustices. There will be no more racial divisions. There will be no more worrying about whether it's getting too hot, you know, global warming. Those things will be all taken care of when Jesus comes back. Amen? And folks, that's the hope. We've been talking about hope this morning. That's the hope of the church, but that's also the hope of the world. And that's why it's so important, church, that we understand that we have a great, great calling. We have a great, great responsibility. And it's to take forth the gospel of Jesus, even to our next door neighbors and beyond. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus told his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. Therefore, go and do it all over again. Go and make disciples. Do what I have done in your life. But folks, Paul tells us how in Romans ten fourteen. how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? What that means is if no one is sent, no one can preach. If no one can preach, no one will hear. If no one hears, no one will believe. And if no one believes, no one will call upon the name of the Lord. We need a, we need a renewed vision for our mission would you agree this morning if you agree to say amen which means we need a vision for lost souls jesus continues in paul he says to paul he says i'm sending you to them to what to open their eyes to turn them from the darkness and to the light and open the eyes of the spiritually blind how many are glad this morning your eyes aren't blinded anymore He's taking the scales, the proverbial scales, off of your eyes that you can see enough to reach out for salvation. And Paul, excuse me, God gave that vision to Paul. Acts 16, for example. Credible, incredible chapter. People were being saved, people were getting baptized, cities were being stirred, earthquakes, prayers were being answered, jails were being destroyed. And the work of God went on and on and on and my prayer is this is that we would get a vision for lost souls again do you know that that was a big piece of our movement before pentecostalism ever became formed in denominations we were a movement and we had momentum and i'll tell you why we had momentum it's because we understood what the baptism in the spirit was, that it was empowerment so that we could reach the lost. That we could show them that Jesus was real and that what he has said will come to pass. Because if there is powerful declaration and there is powerful signs and wonders, guess what? It tells us that the word of God is true. And if it's true of what the past, it's also true about the future. We were a movement. And one of the reasons why we were movement was also because we had the end in mind. We didn't sink our tent pegs too deeply into the soil here on planet Earth. We kept our eyes fixed on the prize. We kept our eyes fixed on the end. We were people of the end. And we kept the end in mind. And we knew... We knew, we knew that time was short, and therefore we had to do everything we could to take the gospel around the world. Why? Because eternity is at stake. Lost souls. Lost souls. Matthew 9, 36. Jesus said, Matthew says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, they were scattered abroad having, having as sheep having no shepherd. That was the heart that Jesus had for lost souls. And I believe we need the same kind of vision. We need the same kind of vision that one missionary had when he died at the age of 29. He had a vision of, of natives who were lost and without God. There was, no, there was no looking at them and seeing difference when it came to the color of their skin. But what he saw was what God had made. They were precious in God's sight, made in the image of God. And because of that, because of that, he, he laid down his life. In fact, he went after them. He went to, to share the gospel with him, with them, but he died at the age of 29 with tuberculosis. In other words, he was willing to lay his life down for those who did not yet know Christ. And I want you to know the Bible tells us greater love is no man than this, but to to lay down his life for his friends. I'm challenging myself this morning, I'm challenging you this morning that we need to get back to having a vision for the laws. Because that's what we're here for, amen? This is what this is about. We need a vision like David Livingstone. David Livingstone worked and he lived among those those who were living in Africa and disease has racked his body fever almost killed him but he but he loved many many people to god and many were saved and yet they found him dead in a little pup tent kneeling at his cot where he would often pray god oh god give me africa and he literally died on his knees we need a vision like hudson taylor who went into the interior of china and he spent some 20 years. And in 1880, there were 70 missionaries and 70 preaching stations there because of his work. Here's the thing, that Taylor put God first in his life and on every piece of his luggage he put on the boat. We need a vision like William Booth, who when he saw the neglected, those who living in the slums of London, that he reached out to them and there was birth the salvation army. We need a vision, folks, like like an old Pentecostal preacher, evangelist, church planter, by the name of Marshall Ruthven. Marshall Ruthven, you don't know who probably he is, but I come across his name because he was the he was the guy who built the the first Pentecostal camp in the Maritimes, just outside of Toronto, Nova Scotia. I connected with his son, John, and John began to tell me the story of how his father. It's amazing. His father would 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 uh, plant churches. The goal was a, a church in every town, in every town, a Pentecostal church. And he actually built, he built a portable church building. Yeah, he hauled this trailer around. I got diagram pictures. It was the coolest thing you ever saw. And he would come into a place, and he would set up shop, and he would have services, and people would, and he would witness, and he would visit. And, and so, yeah, he was all about evangelism. And there were scores of people. And he went all across the country. Stayed in B.C. for a number of years. Went down along the, the western coast of the United States. Eventually landing in California. But there was a pastor in Markham, Ontario who shared a story. He was just young youth pastor. And here he was bunking with 85-year-old Marshall Ruth. And they were gabbing, you know, how it is. And Marshall... Said, you don't suppose that the pastor at the American Assembly would allow me to do some visits? So he we went to the pastor and he asked him, Would it be okay if I made some visits? Sure enough, he went, 85 years old, knocking on doors. Hi, hey, you don't know me. My name is Marshall Ruthven, and I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and that's how he started. And his son John told me that he kept a little black book of all the people he visited and all the people he witnessed to and all the people that received Jesus because of his witness. Blew my mind to think that he would probably knock on, I couldn't, I couldn't, listen, don't quote me on this, but I'm just going to say, I think that John might have told me he might have made 30,000 visits a year. Well, let me tell you, I didn't feel so good after that. But I can tell you what I was. I was challenged. And I was like, Lord, may we get back to the kind of heart and the kind of vision that some of these people, these pioneers, they blazed some incredible trails. And folks, it was all because they recognized that they had a mission, they had a purpose, and that was to reach the lost. We also need to know that we're in a battle. Amen? How many understand we're in a battle today? And it's not with the person sitting alongside of you. There's a true, There's a real battle. Look what, what, what Jesus said to Paul. He says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God. From the power of Satan to God. And yet we live in a culture that think that Satan is just a figment of your imagination. He's just a personification of evil. Well, you know, Satan's real. Demons are real. If it weren't so, Jesus wouldn't have spent time in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. Man, I'll tell you, when we were in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, Number of years back, I never seen anything like it before in my life. There was a guy who said he needed help. And so the pastor, myself, and two other guys decided that we're going to visit this guy because he was really needing help. He he said, I got to get rid of this. He was needing deliverance. And he was reaching out to us. Well, we visited his place. And when we walked in, I can tell you no word of a lie, the place smelled like it was the garbage dump. There was trash and stuff strewn all over the back and inside the house. And as we were making our way into the living room, I have no idea what kind of garbage was on the television, but I can tell you it wasn't very godly. It was very demonic. It looked like something that was perpetual horror films on the TV. And we went into his bedroom in the middle of the day, and here he was, laying in his bed, a man who was wasting away. But I can tell you it wasn't too long after we were there that he wasn't speaking in such a way that this was just normal person. This, is, this, was, this was demons speaking to us. Never seen any, I haven't seen anything like it since. He even got to the point where he was hissing at us. And I can tell you there was a lot of prayer going on. And there was a lot of speaking in tongues going on. But I can tell you that we saw it. We saw it big time. I mean big time. This guy was so demon possessed. The good story was, or the good part of the story was, he did eventually make his way to the church. And he eventually did reach out to try to find the Lord. I'm not sure where he is now, but I can tell you folks without a shadow of a doubt that Satan is real. Demons are real, and we are in a true spiritual battle. And there's nothing that the devil wants to do than to stop the church from fulfilling her calling as an instrument of God's kingdom. And he'll do it from the inside. He'll he'll try to destroy the work from the inside if you give him a chance. The Bible tells us this. Paul tells us in Ephesians, and we know this one well, for our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The weapons we fight with in Second Corinthians ten four, are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have defined power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds exist in communities today. I was reading in a book called Miracle Invasion. There was a pastor down in, I think it was Oklahoma. And they were trying to reach a, a community of Navajo uh, natives in, in Arizona. And, they want, and there was people that tried to plant a church there and it just was a no-go. Nothing was able to happen. Nothing able to break through. And so the pastor had visited there, and there was a lady that came to him and gave him a prophecy and said that God was going to teach you the way of the natives and that he was going to bring transformation and uh, deliverance. A guy went to visit his church in Oklahoma, but the pastor wasn't there. He was in Arizona, and a guy said, I'm here to see the pastor. Is he here? No, he's not here. Well, could I leave him a message? Well, sure. So he left a recording. And when the pastor returned and he checked out that recording, it was almost verbatim exactly what the lady said to him 1,200 miles away. And in a prayer meeting, see, they begin to pray. Well, if God's speaking to us, he's going to do something. We need to pray into this. Amen? So next thing you know, there's a lady. She's from Texas. And she's praying. And she begins to pray in tongues. And she's praying in Navajo and there was two ladies who knew Navajo, and they're like, whoa, she's speaking in Navajo, which is a pretty difficult language, by the way. But it wasn't just the fact that she was speaking in Navajo, praying in Navajo, it was the content of her prayer. She was praying against the skinwalker. Well, what's the skinwalker? I'm glad you asked. Well, the skinwalker was the medicine man who was in that community, in arizona and he was the one who was stopping everything from advancing when it came to establishing a gospel witness among the navajo natives and so sure she was in tongues a gift of the holy spirit amen holy spirit's kicking in and she's not just praying in tongues she's doing spiritual warfare why because we don't wrestle what with flesh and blood so she's doing spiritual warfare in tongues and she don't know it. And they're like, where did this lady learn Navo?" He said, this lady can barely speak Texan. <laughs> What's the final result? Well, the final result was this. For some unknown reason, the skinwalker left that reserve. And the door flew wide open for that pastor and folks in that church to go to that to that community and to minister to them and to teach them about Jesus and to see souls saved. We're in a spiritual battle. We're not going to accomplish it unless we have our fishermen all on deck beginning to pray and to begin to intercede. Why? Because God will break down walls. He will demolish the strongholds over these places when God's people get serious and we begin to intercede on their behalf as the Spirit leads us. Amen? You believe that this morning? Hallelujah. We're in a spiritual warfare. Lastly, lastly, we need a vision that God will help us to bring in the harvest. I'm sending you to them, listen to this, to, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me. Folks, this is a heavenly vision. This is a revelation from Jesus himself, a commission for Paul. And I believe it applies to us today. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to life, from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me. And I believe that if God gives a calling, He'll give us the authority, He'll give us the power, because it's all about His promise. Amen? When God calls you, He'll supply you. But I'm not qualified. Look, he, don't qual- he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Don't worry about you. Don't get the Moses' mentality and throw your four or five excuses because it won't work with God. Because if he can take a Moses and he can take a Gideon and he can speak through a donkey, how many know he can use us? Amen? So, don't, so let's just, first of all, let's just get over all of our insecurities and inadequacies. Because when God is on our side, there ain't no stopping you. Amen? You all agree with that? Amen. That's good. We're on the go. So I'm getting close to the conclusion. Just bear with me. Anybody know a guy by the name of Edward Kimball? Can you lift your hand? He's famous, right? Edward Kimball. Lift your hand. You know who he is. Nobody. Anybody know who Edward Kimball is? Lift your hand. Great. That's exactly what I'm setting you up for. He's obscure. Well, Edward Kimball was—he was a shoe store assistant, not even the manager. But he was a Sunday school teacher. Ooh, devil don't like that. He was a Sunday school teacher in Chicago, and he spent hours of his free time visiting young people on the streets in Chicago's inner city, witnessing. Trying to win them for Christ, and guess who come along? That was under his influence. You might know this name, Dwight L. Moody. You know who that is? Now we're getting somewhere. Well, Dwight L. Moody got saved in 1858, and then he grew up to be a preacher. And in 1978, Moody reached a guy by the name of F. B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer became a preacher, and he reached a guy by the name of J.W. Chapman. And then Chapman became a preacher, and he brought the message to a baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. And then Sunday had a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was so successful that Mordecai Ham was invited to Charlotte to preach, and under Ham's preaching, Mordecai Ham, There was a young teenager, I don't know if you know who this guy is or not, his name was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham went on to serve the Lord 55 years plus, preaching the gospel to over 215 million people in 185 countries of the world, but it started in most people's minds, just an ordinary person. doing the backtrack you'll find that Billy Graham came to the Lord because of a guy, an assistant shoe store guy by the name of Edward Kimball who was a Sunday school teacher. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Because folks here's the deal. The deal is our conversion stories are not are not disconnected from someone else's faithfulness. Did you know that? Did you know that my, I, 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 my heritage even goes back to a New Light preacher by the name of Henry Aline that came up from, from Massachusetts? He got saved, began to preach the born-again message in the late 1700s, went from Falmouth, Nova Scotia, up in the valley, all the way down to the Ragged Islands. And as he was down in the Ragged Islands... He preaching among the, the settlers that were there, even the original settlers. And eventually, his message, his, his uh, evangelism became somewhat of a forerunner to the Atlantic Baptist Convention. And there was a Baptist church that was established in Lotport, Nova Scotia. And at the very top of the list of evangelists and ministers is Evangelist Henry Lyne. Because it was a revival in, in the Maritimes. During the years of the American Revolution. And because Lockport Pentecostal, or excuse me, Lockport Baptist Church got established there, my great grandmother was a Sunday school teacher there. And because of my great grandmother's influence, my grandmother got saved. And when she was 15 years old, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, became a Pentecostal. And then she passed it on to my parents, or my dad. My grandfather, of course, married my grandmother. That's a good thing. And he was instrumental as well in, in, in establishing the Harbor Light Pentecostal Church in the metropolis of East Green Harbor. To which my brothers took me when I was about three and a half years old to learn about Jesus. Sunday school, but I can trace it back to a guy by the name of Henry Line, who the Lord got a hold of. Folks, our your stories, your testimony is always connected to somebody, and the Lord wants to continue to use us like He used Paul to continue His vision and that is to continue to take the gospel to those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are without hope, because folks, the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, and that's where I'm hanging my hat this morning. If we could get the worship team to come back. The last scripture verse I want to lay on you right now is that When Paul laid all of that out to Agrippa, here's what he said. He said, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision. Could we stand this morning? Oh, it was a song. I just want to remind everybody that when i'm preaching there's always if there's a finger pointing at you there's more pointing at me you notice that so i'm challenging myself challenging myself that we need to be we want to be like paul he meant to be obedient he said so so then king i was not disobedient to the vision i was not disobedient to the vision God can use anybody. If he can use Edward Kimball, he can use you. If he can use Moses, who, who stuttered, didn't lack or didn't have much confidence, who basically a fugitive on the backside of the desert, if he can use Moses, he can use you. If he can use Gideon and give Gideon courage to blow the trumpet, I think the angel was a little bit sarcastic when he called him, courageous, warrior, right? <laughs> Hiding in the wine press. Folks, it's time that we picked up the staff and went in the power of, of the Holy Spirit. It's time that like Gideon, we get out of the shadows of the wine press and grab a hold of that trumpet. Amen? Get a hold of that and, and below that and say it's time. It's time that we re- it's time that we get recapture. It's time that, like Paul, we say, Jesus, I'm going, I was going this way, but now I'm going the other direction. It's time, amen, that we said, okay, it's time that all hands on deck, we are going, we're going to go for it. We're going for it. He said, I was not disobedient to the vision. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, just for a few moments, maybe there's someone in here that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You don't know. They don't have that peace with God. You know, I was visiting with my grandmom, and I'm going to tell you that she had the peace of God as she was sleeping more and eating less, that she knew her time was coming. She knows her time is coming, but there was such a peace in that room, such a joy, no fear at all. In fact, welcoming that she's going to be reunited with her husband, my grandfather, and others who have gone on before. And I can tell you, as I sat or as, excuse me, as I stood and I asked the nurses, probably about all of them, about a half dozen, about 25 years of age, they all said that that she's always happy. She's always happy. It's because she has peace with her Lord. And maybe that's something you don't have this morning. You don't have peace with God. And if that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. If, If you're here this morning and you don't have that peace with the Lord Jesus Christ, You haven't experienced his grace and his love yet in the way that others might have. Maybe this morning, you just want to be prayed for. If if you're here and that's you, you don't want to lift your hand. Don't want to miss that chance. I, I, I see the hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you're here this morning and, and your heart now is, yeah, I, I want to get on. I want to be obedient to the calling that God has upon my life, upon my church. I want to be like Paul who said, I wasn't disobedient to the vision. Maybe that's you this morning. You want to lift your hand. We're just going to pray. Let make this a song this morning, a prayer from our hearts, that, we, Lord, we love you and we love you so much we want to give every bit of ourselves to you. Whatever you want us to do with, for you, God, here we are, we're available. How many would, how many would lift their hand and say, that's, that's what I want, I want to be obedient to the vision that God has given to us in his word, that we are to go and make disciples, we're to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. I see a few hands. Any other hands this morning? would say that's what that's my heart I want to do what God wants me to do. Hallelujah. Because Jesus, we love you. And we want to bow our lives and our hearts and everything before you. anyone that needs prayer this morning? I just want to open up the altar. As we just uh, as we as we sing and as we pray, if there's anybody has a need this morning, we just want to pray with you. Because uh, God still does amazing things. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we we just thank you, God, for your word today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us. May May we heed, may we embrace, may we have that desire that Paul had, and that was to be obedient to the great vision, the great call that you have placed on our lives individually and on our lives as a body, as a community of believers here at Maple Street Worship Center. For those, Lord, who had lifted their hands, who need special prayer, who need a miracle in their life, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll touch them right where they are. We ask, Lord Jesus, whether it be for healing, whether it be for a deliverance of something on the inside, whether it be to whether their walk with with you to go deeper, whether it's to overcome something that is besetting them, whether it's to reconcile relationships, whether whatever that it is, whatever need, God, whether it's a financial need or a spiritual need or whatever the need might be, that God, that you are still a God who performs amazing miracles. And so, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will minister every need every heart every life and father as we prepare to dismiss this morning we, we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you for the forgiveness of sins thank you that you have called us out of the darkness you've, you've, you're, you're pull, you've been pulling us out of the power of Satan to God that you have removed the, the scales from our eyes And so we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you'll help us to reach out to rescue others as you called Paul to do so, as you called your disciples to do. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask your favor on each one. We ask, God, for you to continue to meet the, the needs of everyone here and the needs of our assembly as we move forward. Lord, we trust you. We love you. And we just ask, God, that your will is accomplished here in our lives and in this place. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement? Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, we're dismissing the service, but we have birthday cake. Okay? We're still celebrating birthdays for the month of July. Still celebrating birthdays for the month of July. So... Ryan, would you ask God to bless our uh, our fellowship, our birthday fellowship? Who's and got, no,
1: who's got birthdays in July? So uh, Carol had had one. Anybody else? Jack, Jack. had one. Elizabeth, anybody? Had the, ben. I don't know your name. Dave, Dave's birthday. All right.
2: Ben. Who else?
1: Ben, ben had a birthday. Big ben. <laughs> That's a lot of birthdays in July. So what was going on anyway? So happy birthday to you, happy birthday to
0: you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you.